So I, <laughs> I was reading through a, uh, an article, yes, or sorry, last night actually, that I don't know, it kind of, I'm, I'm trying to find a connection here and maybe together we can. Because we're, we're in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 15, and we are about to read verse 36. And verse 36 gets into this um, account of Paul and Barnabas separating and going different ways. If you remember what we've talked about the last couple of weeks here, we've talked about how the um, the Jerusalem Council has put together a letter and sent that letter off to the, uh, or they're sharing that letter with the folks uh, of the, the Gentiles that have, are new, new converts, etc. And uh, they're telling them what they need to do and trying to help them and encourage them because they have been told that they first need to be Jews before they can become uh, saved through Christ. And so this letter that they were sending to them tells them that, that the things they should be concerned with are what they eat so that they don't cause division and cause problems and be a stumbling block to the Jews and then telling them they should abstain from sexual immorality. And so <clears throat> there, um, Paul is about to embark upon a visit back to the churches that he has founded and will be will be sharing information with them and be encouraging them, etc. And so it's, it's during this discussion here that we find that there's a, a, a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And it has to do with John Mark. And if you can remember back a few weeks ago when we were talking about Paul on his, on his first missionary journey uh, with Barnabas, John Mark was also with them. And at some point, John Mark decided he would split off and he would go, uh, go back to Jerusalem. And, and that is something that kind of stuck in Paul's crawl, if you will. Um, it, it gave him a, uh, a bad feeling about John Mark uh, and, and whether or not you could depend upon him. And we find that out as we read through this next section. But it, it's just, it found, I found it interesting that I would come upon this article yesterday from Desiring God and the title of the article is, Your Emotions Are a Gauge, Not a Guide. And, and I, it, it kind of was something I said, well, I want to I read that. And the, the author makes this, this point that we shouldn't let our emotions cause us to make decisions about what we do in life that we should be evaluating things rationally. Boy, that's easier said than done. That we should, we should take time to, to really look at things and realize that the things that we feel are meant to be an indicator of whether or not we're in the right place. And, and he talks about things like when you feel joy and when you feel these things that, that the scripture says uh, are indicators of, of things that are good. Uh, you know, for instance, I'll give you an example. I, I never feel more alive or more present or more joyful than when I get to be here in front of you guys or when I get to preach or when I get to be here on Wednesday nights. I tear up thinking about it because it really works for me. And so his, his point is that we should be looking at how we feel during things and use that as a guide and not be led by our emotions 
to make decisions strictly based upon it. Now, to me, that's a bit contradictory because if I know what makes me feel joy, I'm going to make decisions based upon how I felt during that. Does that make sense to you? To, to, for somebody to tell me that I shouldn't make decisions on emotions, I understand when it comes to anger, when it comes to jealousy, when it comes to certain things that might lead us in the, the wrong direction. But it seems like there's a, there's, a, there's a line there that we need to consider when we are making decisions about emotions, that there's good and bad emotions that, that we should be, I don't think you can paint a broad brush stroke across all of it. And, and, I, and I bring that up because when we read these scriptures we're about to read here, we find these words, at least in the, the ESV, and it's probably rendered differently in some of uh, the Bibles you have, in verse 39. So let's read 36 through 41, then we'll talk about it. Verse 36, it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city that, where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, and so they separated from each other. Now, I don't know if your, if your Bible say anything differently than verse 39, but a sharp disagreement to me um, in reading some of the commentaries over this passage sounds like it's an understatement. Uh, the, the Greek original Greek implies that this was a serious argument, that these two were, were definitely in different camps, and it was a, an emotional discussion, and because of that, that emotional disagreement, they said, fine, you go this way and I'll go that way. And so it tells us here that Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So I, I wanted to take this idea that our, our emotions are meant to be indicators and not dictators and apply that to what we see here as an emotional moment in the book of Acts between Paul and Barnabas. And, and how, do we, how do we work with that? I mean, you go through, we've been going Wednesday nights, we've done a lot of, a lot of talk uh, discussion uh, in, in Proverbs and talking about anger and talking about how we should not give in to anger and how when we are angry, we do foolish things and say foolish things. And the Bible is filled with all that. And yet we see here this argument between Paul and Barnabas that if, this, if you looked at Paul and Barnabas as a church, they split, they went in different directions. How do we reconcile the fact that emotions are sometimes a very negative thing and can lead us in the wrong direction with what we see here? Because the outcome of this is not necessarily a bad thing. So your emotions are telling you which choice has to be made. It's like the pressure gauge or your oil change gauge in your car. <laughs> it's telling you, you've got to make a choice. Which one are you going to make? Um, are you going to keep driving and say, it's okay, I'll <laughs> Or are you going to go on and fix the problem now? I mean, there's always, there's different choices that can be made. Your emotions just tell you you have to choose something. And now's the time to do it. So, but is there, is there a line that we, that, that we can say, can, can we define this? Because I think it's important for, I agree with everything you said. 
I think it's important for us to to try to so that we have some kind of a, of a gauge. How do we know when we've gone too far emotionally? How do we know when we've crossed a line? And how can we prepare ourselves as Christians to watch out for that so that we don't become unchristian and and go is you know I've always always taught that that people like to say that there's righteous indignation that I oh I was angry for God I was ang- I was on God's side that's why I was so mad well that's fine and Jesus had righteous indignation because he never sinned we on the other hand don't know where that line is and our anger can take us across that line into sin because that we're, we're, you know, we have a sinful nature and we're constantly battling that. And, and I don't have answers to this. These are all kind of cloud questions. This is one of those, those discussions where I wanted to hear what other people think because it, it got me to thinking that you're, you're right. Our emotions, you know, in this, in this case, Paul is saying, hey, listen, I need people on, a, on this missionary journey who I can trust. I need people who are going to be right there with me who are going to to stand beside me and deliver the word of God and stand up for Christ. And Barnabas, when we took off last time and went out there and it was tough, we faced all these challenges and all these things. And if we'd have had that third person with us through the whole journey, it would have been better. And he abandoned us. He took off and left us. Now, the the part that we don't see here is that Barnabas and, and John Mark were cousins. So, Clearly, Barnabas is going to stand up for his family probably a little bit more than Paul would. But as this discussion takes place and they start going back and forth and they have a heated disagreement, I can see anger getting to the point of saying, well, you know what? I'm not giving in and and we're going to have to split up. And it led to something totally different. Comments? John, there's a lot of times now when people just get comfortable in what they're doing. God says... I want people to go over here. I want some people to go over there. But they say, no, we like it where we are. Yeah. <laughs> so we create some kind of division in there so that people will go over there. That they're not going to do it on their own. Yeah, exactly. And so not every first split is, is a bad thing. Is a bad thing, yes. Is a bad thing. So it, it comes back to us making sure, and it's... And I think it's difficult, but I think it comes back to us making sure that even when we are, and I don't know how this took place, I don't know everything that happened here, but even when we are the deepest in our emotions, that we remember that we need to prayerfully consider everything that we do. And we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit regardless, because I think the Holy Spirit influences our emotions. I think the Holy Spirit pushes us and helps us and causes us to feel things when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit to guide us in the directions we need to go in. And he uses those emotions, as, as, as Crystal said, almost forgot your name after all these years. As Crystal said, to, to help us to make the right decisions in our lives and go the right way. And so in this situation, God used this split, as Jim is saying, to go off and actually cause them to have two ministry teams and be more efficient than they were to begin with. And so something good did come out of it. And, and uh, Jim, you know, um, I bring up um, 
I bring up Tim Welcher a lot in here, but but Tim Welcher's church down in Bowling Green has this philosophy. They will not build a new sanctuary. That is their policy. They won't do it. When they get too big to house the people that are there, they organize a church plant and they split and go start a church somewhere else in the region with the group with the folks who are willing to go. I've never heard of that before. But that's how they handle church growth. They say, if we're going to grow outside these walls, we're going to grow outside these walls. And so they send people out and they plant other churches in the region with folks who are willing to go and do just that. So it's an interesting perspective. That's right. Sure did. Sure did. And as time has gone on, that, that's, that's something that's kind of been, been forgotten about. But yeah. Let's go to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it so sometimes it does make sense, and God will use that in the right way. But I I, I think the, the only answer I have when it comes to handling emotions and working with emotions and trying to make sure that we don't cross lines is to prayerfully consider and to remember what James teaches us. James, not you, James, but. but <laughs> But James says that God gives wisdom freely to whoever asks for it. And so it's up to us to prayerfully consider every situation. It's up to us to realize that, that, that God is always there for us. And as believers, he will give us the wisdom we need to make the right decisions when the time comes. But if we shut him out, we're going it alone. And that's a problem. And we're going to be prone to make the wrong decisions. Mary. It kind of reminds me that, you know, Paul was very human, too. You know, it's easy to kind of read through the Bible sometimes and be like, oh, you know, he was fully committed to Christ and there wasn't real problems, you know, like they're high in the sky and we're just down here. They were people. In a different life, right? But this is very emotionally charged. And sometimes stuff like that happens here. And, you know, Paul wasn't Christ. He was still very much human, even though he had so much of the Holy Spirit um, working in him. Yeah. But also, it seems like John Mark did too. Yes. Because of some of the things you find from him in the Bible. So, even though they didn't necessarily get along, they both really contributed to the Bible that we have today. uh, God took something that was maybe a big emotional dispute and kind of made it into something that was good. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Later on, Later on, absolutely. And 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 Paul Paul's opinion of John Mark changed, and and they became they became they became close. And it is one of those things where again, I don't know how how Paul made the decision to split. And Barnabas made the decision to split, but they did. But I have to think that considering what they were doing and considering the fact that they needed to, they, they, they knew they needed to obey God and they knew that they were being called to go back to where the churches had been planted and to revisit these cities and strengthen the believers. And that had to be both on their minds and that was the the goal for both of them and god allowed them to see that the right way to do this was to go this way and to make it happen 
And so I have to think that they were prayerfully considering, uh, regardless of what it tells us here. But th I guess the overall, the overarching point of that is if we keep, if we keep God's desires as first and foremost in front of us and use that as our guide and apply all these things to how we're feeling even if we're even if we're we're, we're angry we're strongly led in a direction that that God's going to use us in that direction because uh, that's how it worked out here and uh, and I like I like what you know I'm never I'm never encouraging a church to split but as you said Jim sometimes God has a purpose in that, and and things do happen, and and things do occur. You know, right now, and I'm I'm not I don't want to start any, any sort of a of a debate, but right now in our in our Southern Baptist Church, in the convention itself, one of the hot topics has to do with 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 women in the pulpit and women pastors, and the Saddleback. Church out in California, which was Rick Warren's been the pastor out there forever. He's the, you know, he's published a lot of books and is kind of a celebrity pastor. Um, I guess they they had some women that they installed into some positions in that church, and the Southern Baptist Convention kicked them out and said you can no longer be a part of of our of our organization. And so now Rick Warren is on a bit of a warpath trying to make all sorts of sorts of points about women in ministry and their importance and they're they're all very good points but it, it interests me that this debate that is forming that we've got an organization that says okay here's what you need to do to to be a part of this group and you have someone who's been a part of that group for a very long time and suddenly now has said, well, I want to change this, and the rest of you, this group needs to change the way they think because I think differently now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to fall on either side of this debate. The point I actually want to make is that it's a non-essential point. And it, it's not a point of salvation. It's not a point of... Uh, it, it's one of these things where if that's the way you want to do your thing, then there are plenty of places you can go do that thing. And these churches here have said, this is how we're going to do this thing and how we're going to interpret that. And so if these churches want to be that way, let them be that way. If you would like to be differently, be different. Go do your thing. I'm, it's, it's America, right? We should have that freedom to go and do that. I'm not trying to, but, but when one person inside of a group, like if, if one of you inside of here made the decision that we should start sitting in a circle and everybody else said, no, we don't want to, We've been sitting like this forever, and it's working. It would cause a problem. Now, I don't know. That, that's a, I'm overstating it. I don't think we care. But you get my point. I'm talking in circles, aren't I? <laughs> uh, but whenever you have somebody who's been a part of a group for a very long time and suddenly decides, you know what, you all need to change your ways because I disagree now. I, I don't. I have a problem seeing that working that way, and it causes this debate. It causes this going on, and that's what causes unhealthy splits, is somebody doing that, and then both people get on their hobby horses and they say, we're not going to change, and then problems, problems arise. If you want to do something differently, I never want to tell anybody to leave a church, but don't try to change the church. You need to do what you feel like you need to do. As long as, you know, my, 
I always go back to the foundation of are you are you are you good on the principles of salvation? You know, do you do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand that you're a sinner? Do you understand that he died for you? Have you accepted him as your savior? And at that point, are you praying and, and, and looking for uh, understanding in the in the holy scriptures? And you know, these are these are foundational things in, in being a Christian. And and through that, we're going to have disagreements. And as long as we're not disagreeing on who Jesus is. I think I can sit down with you and have a cup of coffee and talk about it. And we may have to get up and shake hands and say, no, I don't agree with you, but you're still my brother and you're my sister. And, and, and some of these issues fall into that category. And, and I hope I'm making sense. Um, but, but to me, the foundations of salvation are first and foremost in every one of these discussions. And when you hear two prominent groups and Saddleback Church is a big group in and of itself and the Southern Baptist Convention arguing and going back and forth and in, and in none of their discussion do you hear anyone say but Jesus but salvation but God instead they're throwing out worldly arguments and discussions about things that do not come from scripture the focus is lost and Satan is in the middle of it saying, thank you. You've taken your eyes off Christ, both of you. And the people who follow you, they're taking their eyes off Christ too because they're hearing the arguments and they're taking sides and they're in the battle. But they don't realize that the battle they're actually in is in the battle against Satan. And, and so it's one of those things that just absolutely irks me that believers can't look at non-essential things and say, Okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree, but but let's let's realize we have Christ in common. Rick Warren brought in other things that you said. Oh, he did. I, I'm not I'm not talking about all those. I know, Mary. I know, I know. Prison, I mean, I know. I'm I am definitely aware, and, and I know there are some things there that we could spend eons discussing. Um, but yeah, that's... And to your point, these three people, you know, Paul, Barnabas, Barnabas and um, John Mark, they didn't, none of them, you know, got on their high horse and said, you know what, I'm taking my toys and I'm going to They really didn't. They to go on and do the will of God. Yeah. They did, they did what, they continued their mission. They did. They continued their mission and they just found another way to do it. And again, God worked through that to accomplish his purposes. You know, God's the people that God works with will change, but God working never stops. It's always going to go on and it's always going to happen. Um, and you're right. Nobody, nobody did quite like that. Your, your translation is much rosier about the disagreement <laughs> than, than my translation. <laughs> what does yours say? You don't you mind reading it for me? After a time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in affiliate and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas 
and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Yeah, it makes it pretty clear that they, they were not happy with each other. But again, I want to focus on what you said. They, they were still dedicated to their calling to go off and do what it was that they were supposed to do. And that was to go strengthen the churches and, and visit them and encourage them and, um, and make known what needed to be made known. So I've gone in a lot of different directions this morning. Y'all still with me? <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that, James. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, it's my birthday. I'm allowed to be goofy, right? <laughs> All right, well, let's go on then and, and uh, look at Timothy uh, joining Paul and Silas in the, into chapter 16. We'll start moving into that. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple there was, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Interesting to me that this is positioned where it is. Because one of the reasons why Paul and Barnabas are out talking to these churches is to spread this information that the Jewish, the, the Jerusalem Council has determined that you don't need to be circumcised to be a believer, because that was one of the problems. That was one of the sticking points, because they were they the the Jews were coming to the Gentiles and saying, "Hey, you must first follow the laws of Moses, which means you need to be circumcised. You need to go here, here, and here, and then once you do those things, you can do this." And so now Paul has has gained Timothy in his ministry journey, and the first thing that we hear about is he has Timothy be circumcised. Seems a little bit contradictory to their mission. Seems a little bit contradictory to what they have just said that the Gentiles don't have to worry about. And, and it's described here a little bit, but, but let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Why was that important? Why did he do this? He's half Jewish anyway, and he's going to be going back to Jerusalem, working with Jews. Working with Jews, yeah. They're going to be looking down at him as a half-breed in essence. Absolutely. So he would become a stumbling block just by not having having any evidence that he had followed the Jewish traditions, and so. Paul is looking forward to say, you know, if we don't do this and you go back and try to, to preach to these people and try to minister to these people, as, as, as Jim said, they're, they're going to be looking down on you. And essentially, you're going to become a stumbling block to their, their ability to believe because they won't be able to see past the fact that you're not one of them. And that's a problem. So when we think about that, and we think about that in ministry, how important does it make things that we 
choices we make, things that we say, um, way that we live our lives in, in our witness, how important does it make things that, that we do? Because it, 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 it's easy for us to look at other folks that we're trying to, to witness to. And they, especially family, right? Because family know us better than anybody else. And we go to witness to these folks and they will look back at us and go, well, yeah, but you and your life and I know what you did and I know how you treat so-and-so and you're trying to tell me about Christ? I know all about your problems. And my problems suddenly become a stumbling block to this person that I'm trying to witness to. And... Paul went so far as to have Timothy be circumcised. It's easy for us to discuss it. That's something I'm not sure he wanted to go through. Let's be honest about it. But in order to be effective in his witness to the Jews, this is the step he took. So it it seems to me to, to give us a little bit pause to think about the importance of of what we do and how we deal with things. Uh, in our lives as Christians, and what presents a stumbling block to others, you know, and uh, it's I, sometimes um, when I read through the Book of Acts and realize how important, because the reason they told the in the letter back to the Gentiles when they told them don't eat meat, stay away from blood, and don't eat the meat of anything that's been strangled was so that they could have fellowship with one another. It was all about not being a stumbling block. So stumbling blocks all of a sudden become a really big deal. And, and just I think we need to be more aware and acutely aware of, of who we are and, and what we're doing as Christians so that we, we don't be, it doesn't become a do as I say, not as I do circumstance. Right? If we want to be effective witnesses, we need to be, we need to be effectively living a life that is pleasing to Christ. A life that is pleasing to 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 God and, and all the things that that we have been told we need to follow and it's 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 tough. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't want to sound like that Barbie doll from the what was that the one that said math is tough. Remember that one? There was a big stir up about I don't know ten or fifteen years ago. Had a Barbie doll that you pulled a string or something and it said math is hard, and everybody got in a in an uproar and says, "Well, you're t- teaching girls that math is hard. Math is hard, people." <laughs> It's not a lie, but it, it but it's hard. It's hard to live a life that's pleasing to God. It is very difficult. But again, if we think about what we're trying to do and who we're trying to to be a, an example to, um, and understand that our witness influences them, it's like being a parent, isn't it? You know, those of us who who have children and are raising children. You look at your at your everyday steps and realize that 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 people, little people, are watching everything that you do, and and I didn't realize the influence that that my daily life had on my children until we had had Josh. Ironically enough, who just walked by, until we had Josh. And every morning, I would get up and I would go over to the door and I would stick my keys in the door and I would undo the deadbolt because we had one of those deadbolts that's that's going to kill you in a fire that had a key from both sides. And I would unlock that and go to work. And Josh, one day, just big enough to walk, he picks up one of those those uh, you know the the rings that you have that have the keys on there about the size of Pittsburgh, and 
he walks over to the door and he takes that huge key and he walks over that deadbolt and he goes boom, boom, boom. And I said, wow, he's watched me every morning unlock this door and leave. And that was, a, that was a moment that just awakened me to how much the kids watch what we do. And it matters to them as examples, the same way it matters to the rest of the world, what kind of examples we are for Christ. Anything else there? Oh, the clock is so noisy this morning. Well, I'm going to wrap up at that point because it's uh, 1041. We want to uh, go ahead and, and uh, stop so folks can come in. Um, but any final questions or anything about what we've talked about? Did you do a count, Sue, by chance? 15. 15 thank you. No, no less I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. All right, wonderful. Well, we're going to close this morning. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for the discussion. And I look forward to where this will take us next week. Um, Dave, could I get you to pray us out, please? Sure. Thank you. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We thank you for John Dormus to, to teach your word, Lord, and uh, spread it around to us. And I pray you would take what we learned this morning and, and spread it to those in our family, and our friends, and our workplaces. Uh, this beautiful brother Tink this morning as he gave the sermon, open our hearts and our minds. This lead guide us. That's his name. Do the same. Amen. Amen. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir.